most of us think about leadership and we only think about leading down and the team that we lead. But I would submit to you that that is a very short-sighted view of leadership. Most leaders are in middle management and still have a boss. They're often leading a team. They have peers that are other managers that it's important to influence them and also important to influence your boss and learn how to lead up or manage up. Your boss may not be a leader. He or she may just be in a position of leadership, but that does not automatically make someone a leader. Welcome back to the Next Peak Podcast. My name is Parker Houston, and today I am your only host. I am flying solo, and uh, as a board-certified organizational psychologist, we are going to be talking about a topic today that I think almost all of you are going to find extremely important and relevant to a situation that you may have been through even recently. So today's topic is leading up and it is nine strategies for influencing your boss and building rapport with your boss. This is a skill that most every leader needs unless you are self-employed or absolutely have no supervisor above you in the company or organization that you're part of. But this is a skill and it's something that is extremely important to your life. So let me tell you about a situation that I myself had many years ago when I got a job and I was not aligned with the boss that I had. This this particular boss that I had was not uh it was not a bad or toxic situation, but it was one where we just did not see eye to eye and it quickly started to create some challenges for me and for my boss. I wish that I could say I am naturally a mature person. Uh, Maybe you are, but I certainly am not. I seem to get life lessons the hard way, and it's a bumpy, glitchy process that involves me having to continually remember that I need to be humble and that my way is not always right. So I hope that you will learn from my mistakes in this situation. And I've gone through some great articles and books to grab you guys some wisdom that I think you can use, whether you already get along with the boss that you have, or you are currently in a situation with a leader that you are having great challenges with. We're going to go over some strategies that are really going to help you. So when I was in this situation several years ago, I was having a very difficult time. I was venting to my wife and constantly trying to figure out better ways to get along with my direct supervisor at that time. And this was a a pretty healthy relationship where we both could give each other feedback and we were open to uh, discussing this, but it just wasn't uh, clicking. And it became clear to me that, you know, I was going to have to make some decisions about whether I was going to stay in this job or not. So I ended up going to a leadership conference at that time from Daniel Harkavy, who is a hero of mine. You guys have heard me talk about him before. He's a well-known executive coach and just an amazing person of wisdom. I walked into his conference 
about, I don't know, this was maybe six or seven years ago. And he said he started the entire conference with this statement. He said, did you know that it is your job to make your boss look good? So this got my attention right away because of the situation that I was in. And I was very keen to hear what he had to say about this topic. He began by sharing a story about a job he had maybe as a teenager or very early on in his life. And he came home and he was complaining to his father about what a jerk his boss was. And he was going on and on about, oh, my boss is a real jerk. And he was having a really tough time with this situation. And his dad told him something that made an impression on him for the rest of his life. He told him exactly what he had just shared. He said, Daniel, did you know that it it is your job to make your boss look good? So, of course, he was probably felt the same way I did when I heard those words, where he was kind of shocked. And if you're in a, a difficult relationship with your boss, that's usually not the words that you want to hear, but it was exactly what I needed to hear when I went to that conference. So he went on to share that his dad gave him some very important wisdom about why it was so important to make your boss look good. And that if you are not able to do that, you really should not stay at that job. So this got my attention very quickly. And today we're going to talk about the fact that your boss may not be a leader. He or she may just be in a position of leadership, but that does not automatically make someone a leader. I also want to encourage you to think of your boss as a human. Every single human is flawed and makes mistakes. And because of this, we need to have uh, grace and humility and understanding that often we do hold our leaders to a much higher standard or we assume that they have leadership skills or have been trained in this, but many leaders just get the job and they have not necessarily read books or had good training or even a mentor themselves in leadership. That's often the case. In fact, I would say it's it's most often the case. So let's dive right in to our topic today. Let me get you thinking about this question. How important is it for you to get along with your boss? How does it affect your career, your reputation, your credibility, future job references? How does it affect your your stress level, your personal health? Obviously, it can affect your finances. It can affect your family. And if you act on that dislike for your uh, boss, if that's the kind of situation that you're in, How is that going to affect you? See, I think that everybody should care about learning about this topic unless you are, again, unless you're completely self-employed. But even then, these strategies will work for building. Many of these are relevant to building uh, rapport with your clients and your customer base. And we all know if you've had a bad relationship with a boss in the past, this can really affect your sleep, your stress level, your personal health. You can get physical symptoms. Many people, it's very common to get physical symptoms as a result of work stress or a tense relationship with your boss. So we're going to be talking about, you may have heard about this idea called 360-degree leadership. What this means is that 
because most leaders are in middle management and still have a boss, they're often leading a team. They have peers that are other managers that it's important to influence them and also important to influence your boss and learn how to lead up or manage up is a term that's also used synonymously. Most of us think about leadership and we only think about leading down in the team that we lead. But I would submit to you that that is a very short-sighted view of leadership and that these other two dimensions are extremely important. And for today's purposes, we're just focusing on how to really build rapport and influence your leader. And I also have to say that having been in middle management positions myself for the last almost 12 years now, it's really hard to strike that balance between advocating for your own team, supporting your leader or your boss, and then also on top of that, maintaining good relationships with your peers. So the big idea today is that leading up is an essential skill that almost every single leader needs. You want to develop strategies that increase the odds that your leader is going to listen to you and take your opinion seriously. And there are certain behaviors that you can do that will either drive your leader towards you or push them away from you. And you will increase or decrease your influence based on the things that you do and how you act. So some of the risks, again, are if you have a poor relationship with your boss and you navigate that badly, you can have increased conflict with your boss. You can have increased stress at work and home and for your family. It may harm your reputation at work if you don't handle it well. Of course, you will probably have a low likelihood of promotion or even having greater responsibility. And in in the worst case scenario, you can be fired and it can affect you financially to a great extent. Now, turning to some of the benefits, if you have a, a positive working relationship with your boss, you will have a better quality of life at work and at home. It can lead to great character development when you navigate a dicey relationship well. It's more likely to increase your responsibility at your workplace. It would improve your reputation and credibility. You have a higher likelihood of promotion and also, uh, for that reason, perhaps increasing your income. So I want to suggest at the beginning here that your general strategy should be to support your leader, add value to your company, and distinguish yourself from others around you. Now, it's important to also say that influencing and building rapport with your boss is not the same as kissing up or completely just having no opinions for yourself. So hopefully that will be clear by the end of this episode. But if you do these things consistently over time, the things we're going to talk about today, you will most likely gain great influence and credibility in your workplace. And more importantly, it will probably grow your character as well, which I don't know about you, but for me, I keep getting these painful 
character lessons, especially I would say recently, but through the seasons of my life, I think that keep getting these character lessons that have been so important and you can either lean into or away from those lessons when life wants to teach you something important. So here's principle number one. The most difficult person you ever will lead is yourself. So lead yourself exceptionally. That is principle one. Let me tell you about a situation that I had with a team member several years ago. This was someone that I liked. They were constantly offering to help me. And they had a great sense of humor. They were fun to be around. But this particular employee did not manage their own time very well. They were unfocused, disorganized, and constantly calling off of work at the last minute and dumping their work on their their peers. Or in some situations, I would have to step up and do their work for them. It goes without saying that this is not a situation where you are going to build credibility and a positive working relationship with your boss. If your work is spilling over onto your boss's plate, this is not going to be a situation where you're gaining a lot of influence with them. You never want to make your boss do your work for you. And you don't want to do what's called delegating up. That just means you're taking your work and somehow it's landing on your boss's plate. So the first principle is you really need to be leading yourself exceptionally by doing your own job very well first. Principle number two is to learn your boss's likes and dislikes. I first heard this advice from uh, John Maxwell, who is another person we talk a lot about on this podcast. Uh, He's written about 100 books on leadership, so it's worth listening to what he has to say on the topic. And it was probably 12 years ago when I first heard this, and I went straight into my boss the next day and asked him at the time, what is your biggest pet peeve? I don't know if anyone had ever asked him that question before directly. And so he shared openly that his pet peeve was defensiveness. That was his one big thing, that if you did everything else right, but you were defensive, it was going to be a problem and it was going to be very difficult to have a positive working relationship with him. So what I learned from that is to, I tried to be, of course, very humble, very open, very teachable with him and I watched this play out to my advantage over over the years as I developed much better rapport and a close relationship with him where some of my peers had a great challenge I think maybe not knowing this or not not being very really explicit about this particular thing that he really did not like so it's possible it's worth having a direct conversation with your your boss, I would just ask them the question, what is it that just makes your heart sing that you absolutely love to see your team members doing? And what is it that just drives you nuts? If you just ask those two questions, you'll have two data points that may help you a great deal in your career under this person's leadership. So I've asked other bosses this question before, and some are kind of taken off guard and they're, they're not used to being asked this. So some truly, they don't know. And if that's the case and they don't give you a lot of information in the conversation, watch them closely for a few months and see what, what they really like, You know what really lights them up. Watch their, their body language, their enthusiasm, what topics they're interested in, what team members they seem 
most drawn to, and this should give you some great clues. Principle number three is manage your mood. Again, by way of illustration, I had a coworker a couple years ago, and this person had some very extreme body language and some very strong facial expressions, tones of voice, and sharp verbal responses to people. And so to this person's credit, they also did that they were not biased in who they or or partial in who they did this to. It was everybody, including the boss of our office at that time. And you can imagine that people walked on eggshells. They were very worried about some kind of explosive reaction from this person. And because of that, people could not be honest or give feedback. They avoided this person. This person did not get, you know, promotional assignments or to fill in for the leader. And they were always wondering why they were passed up for promotions. You may know someone like this, or you may be this person. And if this, if this is you, or if you, and you need to manage your mood more, just know that the hothead reputation, if you're explosive or if people fear you or they're worried about your reaction, this is something, this is a reputation you'll have to work extremely hard on to avoid or to be able to get rid of this reputation. Once you get it, it's very, very, very difficult, but it's worth the work and the effort to manage your mood well and your emotional health well so that it does not follow you into the workplace to the extent where it affects your relationships, either with your boss or anyone else that you work with. Managing your emotions, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a psychologist, is such a vital part of leading ourselves well. And things that would pertain to managing your emotions might be things like a really important self-care routine, managing your personal life. So if you're having issues with your kids or your marriage, you know, putting in the work and time either in therapy or self-help resources or even support communities, your friends, these things will help to manage your emotional health, having a healthy outlet for your emotions, people that you can talk to and discuss things with. And then, of course, things like sleep, diet, and exercise will all affect your mood to a, a great degree. So manage your mood is principle three because your mood follows you into the workplace and it can have huge ramifications for your career. Principle number four is be prepared every single time you take your boss's time. I love this one because just in general, the higher you go in your organization, the less time you are probably going to have. So if you try to get your leader's attention and you need to talk with them, you can most of the time assume that they're going to be busier than you are. And because they're busy, you really want to get to the point and make sure that you're not wasting their time. So a great way that you can show respect for your leader's time is to prepare. So some tips on this might be writing down the questions that you have or the topic you want to discuss with them and sending it to them in advance. I'm telling you, this is something that will help so much in building rapport with your boss. 
After I learned this and started doing it regularly with my own boss, I also taught this to my team. And so I'll tell you that I had a particular team member a few years ago that did this so well and still does this to this day, even though they don't, we no longer work together, but this person is so respectful of my time. Not that he needs to do this, but always sends a uh, subject for a phone call or, you know, comes with questions in hand. Gosh, it is so humbling and so amazing and so awesome to have your team members respect your time this way. And your boss is very likely to feel the same way about it if you don't wing it when you go into meetings with them, but they can tell that you've thoughtfully considered what it is that you want to talk to them about when you take their time. One other quick tip on this subject is not writing long emails. There was, I think it was like a Forbes article that I read maybe a couple of years ago that said, nobody reads your emails anymore. And it, I think it cited a study that talked about how if your emails are beyond a certain length and it was really short, it's unlikely that somebody's going to read the whole thing, especially if they're getting hundreds of emails per day. So if you want to get your, your boss's attention uh, or anyone's attention for that matter, make sure that you learn how to get to the point in conversation and in writing and that you are succinct and clear. It will be well worth your time to learn how to communicate that way. Principle number five, identify solutions, not problems. So a few years ago, I had a team member that would walk into my office and felt that they were being helpful by identifying as many problems as they saw on their way into work or during their workday. And this person felt that they were being helpful, I think, by dropping problems in my lap and helping me to be more aware of them. But if you are a busy leader, you can imagine that getting more problems that you need to solve is usually not something that you need. Now, you do need to understand problems in your organization, and it is helpful when team members identify that and identify those problems. But uh, sometimes it's done in an unhelpful way with very few suggestions. So one thing I would recommend is bring three solutions, three possible solutions to your boss or your leader if you're going to identify a problem. This is a little bit like, like the previous principle where you're taking the time to think through something. And if your leader wants your suggestions, you can just say, hey, I came up with a couple possible solutions for this problem if you'd like to hear them. And that's a great way to enter into that discussion with your leader. The, the core principle here is you never want to make your boss think for you, kind of like not giving them work. So I, I love this idea that comes from uh, Tim Ferriss. I heard a few years ago, he said, busy leaders will often accept a halfway decent solution because they just don't have the time to figure it out themselves. And so if they think your solution will work and it's good enough, not to use this as a way to manipulate or get what you want, but sometimes it, it can be a good way to propose something that's a win for you and a win for the organization or your leader. So learn the skill. I think what Tim Ferriss said was learning the skill of saying, I propose, and then say, I propose that we do blank. And if you have a couple solutions, 
you really up the odds that you'll save your leader some time once you identify a problem by proposing some solutions. All right. Principle number six. This should be basic, but might not be for everybody. And principle number six is never bash your boss. Refuse to gossip. So even when you are the recipient of gossip, you're still helping to perpetuate gossip in your organization. That's a really important thing to be thinking of. Many years ago, or maybe not so long ago, I was not really great at this. There were times where I would vent, or I would love to call it venting, but it probably was gossip about frustrations with my boss or a supervisor. And I had two great coworkers that just utterly refused to be the recipient of gossip. And it was so unfulfilling when you go and you want somebody to collude with or to say, oh yeah, I'm equally as frustrated by the way that this person does this. But I had a couple of coworkers that just absolutely taught me the importance of not only refusing to gossip, but also to be the recipient of gossip in your workplace. Because if you are someone's kind of dumping grounds for their outbursts about the boss, you might get labeled as someone who's talking about the boss when you are, in fact, just listening. And you're also helping to perpetuate it. So it's more likely to be perpetuated even when you just listen. We've talked about Dave Ramsey and his philosophy on this before. I believe he even, I think he says in Entree Leadership that people will get one warning and then they will be fired for gossip. And I really think his explanation of it is excellent, that allowing gossip in the workplace can be something that just turns into a a very toxic kind of a cancer for your organization when gossip is uh, not handled very clearly. So principle number six, never bash your leader. The, the last point on this would be that it usually gets back to the person. Like it's almost always the case that either through your body language or the way that you're feeling about your boss or through a coworker that knows the boss and feels like they should share this with them, it is very likely that this is going to trickle back to the person that you may be talking about. So I would keep that 100% out of the workplace or go to your boss directly and have the conversation directly with them. And that way you'll be less likely to vent to your coworkers. All right. Principle number seven, lighten your leader's load. So once you've done the other things well, including your own job well first, you may be able to build rapport with your boss, or it's very likely that you'll build rapport with your boss if you can help take things off their plate. What I've noticed over the years is that really successful leaders have a great second in command. And if your goal is to promote in your organization or to gain more rapport with your boss, lightening their load and becoming a great kind of person for them to pitch projects to where they learn that they can really trust you in a pinch or an urgent situation, you will be top of mind for your leader that you're trying to influence. So keep in mind that successful people do what unsuccessful people are not willing to do. That is a a direct quote from John Maxwell, and it's something that has helped me think through a lot of leadership situations in the past. 
So by taking things off their plate and being willing to do these things, you will definitely gain influence and rapport with your leader. Principle number eight, become a go-to player. This is very similar to lightening their load, but some differences here would be that go-to players are people that can produce even when the timeline is super short, it's a really urgent need, there are low resources, it doesn't look like you'd be able to figure it out. But if you can produce for your boss and and be reliable for your leader in a time of crisis, this is something that is really going to build influence with them. Finding a way to deliver the results every single time. Few things will ever get you noticed faster in your organization than the ability to be extremely reliable in this way. The other thing that's really important about this is these acts of, instead of self-serving acts, I would encourage you to look at them as uh, kindness. If you can approach it from a mindset of service and kindness, the research shows that people don't forget these things. When you perform an act of kindness for anyone, including your leader, during a time when they're strapped and under pressure, again, you will be top of mind. You will be someone that they think of when you can step in and uh, make a self-sacrificial decision and help them out. Okay, here's the last principle, number nine. Never stop growing yourself. There's an idea out there that training will outperform talent almost every time or every time in the long run. So you can be born very, very talented, but if you don't nurture that talent, and a lot of the psychology research supports this, that if you don't continually train and get better, we talked about this even in a recent podcast with Kelly Payne, where we talked about this idea of deliberate practice and really putting the effort and time into training. If you don't do that, it's very unlikely that you're going to really improve your skills over time because most of the time we just kind of, we can plateau and just simply having experience is not something that will automatically gain skill, just, just logging hours. It's the way that experts practice. So principle nine is to never stop growing. We talk a lot about growth on, on the show And I know it's something that Clint is also extremely passionate about and practices really well. So if you want to gain influence with your boss or your leader, it's very important that you demonstrate that you're someone that is constantly growing, that's never going to stop growing and figuring out ways to improve yourself and your skills. So we had a we had a colleague recently in my workplace that went way out of their way to develop some skills, paid for courses themselves in this uh, particular software application program. It wasn't something that anyone had asked this person to do, but he took it upon himself to spend a lot of time growing in this area. And because of it, he's become very, very, very useful and demonstrated much greater usefulness to our uh, team and organization by investing in himself outside the workplace. So it was a great way to gain influence with our department head by showing that he was going to invest and spend the personal money on his own to really grow and learn this program. And he came up with the kind of growth plan on his own. So never stop growing is principle nine. 
So that's the last one. However, let me talk for a moment about a really difficult or challenging boss. If you're in a situation with with even a toxic or very challenging boss, you really have two choices in that situation. You can change your attitude or you can change jobs. Now, when I first heard John Maxwell say this again, I was in a situation where I really wanted the job, but I was having a hard time actively supporting my boss. And virtually every time that I share this idea, there are people in the audience that wish that there was another option, that they could just stay in their job and uh, even though they don't get along with their boss and, and it's a really not a good working relationship, the chemistry is really bad. So a third, a third option would be to stay there and not change your attitude. But I would argue that most of the time, this is going to lead to a situation where you are constantly and continually frustrated by your leader and frustrating your leader which usually does not have a positive outcome in the long run. So if you're in that situation, some advice that I got many years ago was don't miss the important character lesson. It can be a great situation where you've really got to be humble and work hard at communicating and work harder than normal. If you're having a challenging relationship with your leader, it can be a great opportunity for that, that you You don't want to necessarily just get right out of it and always be in really easy relationships with your leader. However, I would also suggest that it is probably not a healthy situation for you to be in long term, like even, you know, beyond a year, staying in that situation can usually be very, very hard on you and hard on the person that you're working for. And it can be hard on your family too. If you've ever had a a spouse that has had difficulties with their boss. I know my wife and I have both been in that situation before, and it's very hard on your partner. So here are a couple more tips for getting along with a challenging boss. One way is to find ways to compensate for their weaknesses. Just go out of your way to identify a weakness. Don't point it out. Don't say anything about it. But if they're disorganized, maybe you can find ways to help them be organized. And that could be a great way that you may earn rapport with them. Another way could be to affirm them publicly for things that you genuinely think that they do well. So I have found this one particularly useful when I'm in a frustrating dynamic with someone that that is difficult for me personally. Publicly affirming them is kind of a way that helps shift your brain chemistry towards not disliking them so much all the time or being constantly focused on the things that frustrate you. So publicly affirm things they do well that you genuinely believe they do well, because when you look, almost everybody has things that they do well. Another one is commit to uh, serving them no matter what. If you kind of start with that mindset and look for ways to do it, that can be another way to, again, kind of turn the tide and gain rapport with them. Identifying their strengths and what they do well. So maybe even writing these down to remind yourself. It still helps a great deal to learn their likes and dislikes. Even if you have a hard time getting along with them, it's great to know. It's great information for you to know so that you cannot trigger them intentionally. And investing in your relationship. I mean, every relationship grows with it needs time Otherwise, it's going to wither and die. So you may need to ask your leader out to coffee or ask for one-on-one time just occasionally. You don't want to take tons of their time if they're not into that. But 
get it, finding a way to have some way to make deposits in your relationship by getting some time with your supervisor. Otherwise, it's it's likely that that relationship is not going to grow. And then the last one we covered already, which is refusing to gossip. Just make an absolute commitment not to do that, and you'll save yourself a huge headache. One of my coworkers said it this way, give your leader the grace you want your team to give you. So if you have a leader, but also lead a team, it's likely that you would want your team to remember that you're a human being too, and that we all make, you know, certainly I make a ton of mistakes every day in, in the leadership role that I'm in. And I would definitely want my team to remember that. So in closing, let me ask you this question. You're more likely to remember this episode if you make a commitment to putting this into action in the next week. So my challenge to you is which one of these nine behaviors can you try on your leader or your boss in the next week? And then write down when you will do it. And if you want extra credit, you can tell someone that you plan to do this so you have a built-in layer of accountability. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and found it useful and got some good tips for figuring out ways that you can get along with your boss, whether they be challenging or somebody that you absolutely adore. These strategies will work equally well. And until the next episode, Keep climbing your next peak. Thank you for tuning in to the Next Peak Podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave us a review, whether you're listening on Apple, Google, Spotify, or any of the other great listening services out there. We love the reviews. We love to read them, and they we appreciate the encouragement that we get from them. Also, if you'd like to connect with Parker or I, we're both on LinkedIn. And you can find us on www.nextpeakpodcast.com. If you want to connect with Parker, you can find him at leadyoufirst.com. Sign up for his weekly blog to receive some research-based tools that will help you transform your work and your life. Until next week, keep climbing your next peak.